If you don't know me, uh, my name is Eugene. I'm one of the elders here at Cornerstone. Uh, I've been going here somewhere between 11 and 12 years, uh, which just seems crazy when you think about it, how long we've been here. But uh, it's been amazing. I've got to be involved in quite a few ministries here, um, some with the band, some with the youth. Uh, you won't really see me hanging out with the little kids down there. That's just, that's not my thing. That's not my ministry. That's not where God has called me to. That's the best way to say that. Um, <laughs> But, uh, you know, and sometimes I get to get up here and uh, bring, bring a message. Um, so this morning we're going to continue uh, the Simple Life series. And uh, what a good time to do it, right? We just got done with Thanksgiving. We got done with Black Friday. And now we're getting into the busyness of the holidays, right? Um, so what better chance, what better opportunity uh, to talk about time and to talk about relationships, because those two things come into play a lot during the holidays, because we're always running around. Um, recently, I had to make some time uh, to get into some books. Unfortunately, I haven't finished those books, but uh, if, if you know me at all, I, I'm not a reader other than the Bible. Like, I just don't like to read. It's just one of those things. But um, I wanted to do some preparation for this message. Uh, two of the books that I read. One was called The Simple Life, I know, shocker, um, written by Tom and Art Rayner. Um, and then the other book uh, was a book that we were going through in our life group called Living Life Backward by David Gibson. I can never remember his name, which is a book that goes, it talks about the book of Ecclesiastes. And like, I've read some in Ecclesiastes and I was just kind of like, yeah, it's kind of like poetry. I don't really understand it. But the book really drew out what um, the author of Ecclesiastes was saying and what he meant by some of the ways that he wrote. Uh, and it was really cool. It was kind of eye-opening, mind-opening, heart-opening, and it kind of showed me where I've been uh, slacking in my walk with Christ. You know, if, uh, if you're around me longer than, I don't know, five minutes, uh, you'll probably be able to tell that I'm not great with time management. Uh, it's just one of those things I'm, I'm always going and doing. Um, if you ask me how I'm doing, I'll give you probably one of three responses. One is, I'm good, but I'm busy. Uh, another one is, you know, I'm going a thousand mile an hour in 12 different directions. Or sometimes I'll say, you know, I'm burning the candle at both ends and in the middle just to see, you know, see what happens. Um, you know, so what I'm getting at is in preparing this message, I was learning a whole lot and I'm hoping you guys get as much out of it as I did. So, it's because we as humans, and, and more so as, as Americans living, living here in America, we live that rat race, that, that pace of life that always just seems to be going, right? We hurry up, we get up in the mornings, we're, we're rushing to get our kids to school, we're rushing to get to work, uh, you know, we're rushing to get home, get supper, get the kids to a, a, some type of event that they've got to be at, right? We're always go, 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 and sometimes we even get... Um, a little overambitious in overpromising what we'll do even in ministry. Uh, we just have that pace that we feel that we need to keep up with everybody. If we see somebody else on you know, social media somewhere and all of the things that they're doing, and we feel like we have to keep up with that. Um, I think about the character from um, Frosty the Snowman. It's that one dude, I don't, I don't know his name, I didn't look it up, but he's going busy, busy, busy. If you watch it this year, you'll see him. And that'll remind you of this message, hopefully. Um, but in uh, Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 10, we're reminded. It says, 
to remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons, your daughters, your male and female servants, which obviously we don't have, but you know, back in the day, your livestock, so your cows aren't allowed to do any work, and any foreigners living among you. So if Crazy Uncle Joe's living in your basement, he's not allowed to do any work either, right? We have to take time to rest. And that's, that's a thing that, you know, I find myself doing. Like yesterday, you know, I was like, hey, it's Saturday. We don't have a whole lot to do, but we decided to... Uh, break down some cabinets in the kitchen and put up new. And that's why I have a Band-Aid on my thumb because I was making some vents for the hood over the stove. But, you know, we, we joke about needing more hours in our day. But if we're being honest with ourselves, we'd probably fill up every single one of those extra hours that we get, right? Uh, we strive for the weekend. Um, but again, there's still no time for rest, no time to think, no time to pray, no time to just like dream and like think of things of, of what you want to do. Um, we say that we, we want to go hang out with our neighbors, but, or we want to spend time, more time with our kids, but we want to have more time with our spouses or our parents or our friends, but, and we need to have more time with God or in prayer, but, and so that's my first point. We need to get our butts out of the way and notice there's only one T there, right? Play on words. We'll make excuses and put our butts in the way when God wants us to view the time that we have on this earth in a totally different way. So Paul says this to the church at Ephesus. It says, so be careful how you live. Uh, Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. So God is calling us to use our time and to make the most out of these evil days, it it says it in the scripture. Um, So what does that mean, right? So we go, you know, that's something that we struggle a lot with. We, We go to church, we get saved, we get baptized, we try to, you know, regularly attend church, we go to church functions, but like sometimes it's, we want to strive to say, okay, what does God really want me to do? And I think sometimes we overcomplicate that in our, you know, infinite wisdom that we have. We want to try to make it out to be bigger than what it really needs to be when the scripture is, is pretty clear that it's, it's simple. You know, it, it's, it's simple what the Lord wants us to do. Um, so there's a scripture in Luke 10 um, that I want to read. Uh, this is, I love this story. It says, as Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught, but Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all of the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. So did you, have you ever like, had to speed clean your house when you know people are coming over? Well, 
or sometimes you don't know. I remember before cell phones, before being able to text, like growing up in our house, we had like a very short driveway, you know, like 150 feet worth of driveway. And we'd be sitting there and an aunt and uncle, a family friend would just show up. They're just in town. They didn't give you any notice. They just show up and you see them pulling down the driveway. My mom would freak out, right? Because normally with three kids, we had the house in a pretty good disaster. So between the time that they would hit the edge of the driveway and the time they would walk in the door, a miracle happened to where the kitchen, the living room, and the bathroom at minimum were cleaned up and everything was put away. Maybe a mess in those bedrooms where you close the doors, but everything was put away at least where they could come in and hang out for a while. And sometimes, you know, you might have to make a meal for them depending on what time of day it was. They just walk in and expect to be fed, I suppose. Um, but that's, you know, that's kind of what Martha's doing here, right? Jesus and his disciples and whatever entourage is coming in with him, uh, you know, come to her house. So she's freaking out, right? This isn't just an aunt or an uncle or a close friend. This is the Messiah, the savior of the world is coming to her house to be there and hang out with her and her sister. And so, you know, I think I'd freak out too, just, just a little bit, you know? And so she was trying to do the best that she could, and she sees her sister over there just sitting there listening to Jesus. So it was, it was probably a little bit of both where she's frustrated because she's trying to get the work done, but she's also jealous because Mary's just sitting there listening to Jesus. And so she, you know, she asked Jesus, uh, you know, hey, tell, tell my sister, get in here and help me out. And Jesus is like, she's doing what she's supposed to be doing which is sitting, relaxing, and listening to what the Savior is saying to her because he knew how much time he had left on the earth, right? He knows all of that. So he knows what's important. He knows that time is important and that time should be spent thinking not about the things of this world, not about how well the dinner's gonna be or how your house looks, but about like the fellowship, the time spent with him, you know, and with others. And so that brings me uh, to my second point, is that we're to live with eternity in mind. I have, a, I have a visual. Give me one second. I like to have illustrations. It's how, how I think, how I work best. So I hope, you know, hopefully it does the same for you. Um, this is not my invention. I stole this. Is that right to steal when you're talking about church stuff? Um, borrowed this idea from... Uh, a guy named Francis Chan. He's an he's a amazing pastor, uh, preacher, just like he brings the word like about nobody else. Um, so we have this, the rest of this is eternity, okay? I'm going to figure out which way to pitch this. We're going to pretend that this goes on forever, right? Well, that didn't work out. Whatever. <laughs> Figures. You always try to plan, right? And it just doesn't work out. We'll pretend that that goes like forever into some portal that just goes on forever, right? That's eternity. But this part right here is about all we have here on earth, right? Very small in comparison, right? We have, you know, less than a century usually, you know, to, to live on this earth. This is representative of the dash between the two years on your tombstone, on your gravestone, right? We don't have long here on earth. And then the rest is eternity. So why do we focus so much on this, right? So I made another rope. I don't know. I just like illustrations. We have this end. We'll start at this end. We have five years of being a little baby or a toddler, 
before we get into school, you know, the chill time where we just get to hang out with our parents and I watched The Price is Right. I don't know. That was just what I enjoyed watching as a kid before I had to go to kindergarten. Um, sorry, my mouth always gets dry up here. Um, then you have the yellow, which kind of represents our school time years, right? Sometimes, you know, you might add college in there as well. But then comes the big part. The blue is the working years of our life, the best time of our life, right? We all love to do work, right? Uh, I added a couple strips in. You might get married in there. You might add a couple kids in there. Um, but most of the time is, you know, just working, uh, you know, and just other things in life. And then you have the green, which is kind of the golden years, what we're all looking forward to, the retirement years where we can take all the money that we've saved up and chill, right? We can just have time to relax or go, you know, sometimes you don't chill. Sometimes you go out and you travel the world. You, you do what you want with your money. That's, that's up to you. Um, but the thing is, is that like in all of these years that we have, we spend so much time focusing on the little things, right? We focus on the, the years of work that we do. We focus on um, if we're going to get that next big promotion or if Jim Bob down the hall is going to steal the promotion from you. We worry about our 401k. We worry about our stocks, our real estate deals, and all of those things that, that tie up time. We worry about what's going on in politics, what's going on with Elon Musk at Twitter. Like anybody really cares about Twitter, but some of you might, sorry, but I don't. Um, you know, we, we drone our time away with something on social media. Um, and we get focused on all of those things that don't, aren't focused on eternity, what's beyond this life. Um, again, it's part of life. It's part of um, what we have to do. We do have to work. We have to pay our taxes, you know, all, all of those things. But there's so much time in between that we just waste. You know, we're not thinking about the, the rest of life and, and the people around us. Um, so the next verse is Psalm 90, verse 12. And it says, teach us to realize the brevity or the shortness of life. I had to look up the word brevity. Um, so that we may grow in wisdom, right? So it's hard sometimes to think about that in life. You know, our, our work is nagging us. Our kids are nagging us or screeching at us. I'm not going to say that our spouses nag us because that doesn't happen. Um, we have the stress of finances and bills and everything else that just gets in the way and time just slips by. We blink an eye on our kids are all grown. Like all of my kids are out of the children's ministry. That just weirds me out now, right? We blink and more things every morning hurt on our body and we don't know why. We don't know what we did while we were sleeping to create this hurt. Uh, <laughs> so... But how do we focus on that brevity, on that shortness of life? Not in a morbid way, but in a reflective way. So I've got a few points um, or a few notes or whatever you want, if you want to take notes um, of a few ways that we could do that, how to focus on this in a reflective way. Um, so the first is to use your days wisely. Again, we want to focus on the eternal, but not the temporary. So Yes, again, we have to pay our bills and we have to do those things, but that's not the important part. We have to look around us and open our eyes to the places that God puts us. In our workplace, who are we around? Who needs to hear about Jesus? Who needs to see Jesus through us? Because we are the representation of Christ. If we call ourselves Christians, we are the representation of Christ in their lives. And we need to show them that love no matter how much they might annoy us, right? 
uh, we need to figure out, the second thing is we figure out how God has gifted you. What kind of gifts has God given you? And where, where can you use those gifts? What kind of ministry can you get involved in to use those gifts that God has blessed you with? Say you're really good at talking, interacting with people. You're a social butterfly. You know, go to, go to a place like the community meal and go talk to people. And again, share the love of Jesus with them. Um, the third thing is plan for change. Figure out uh, how you want to change these things in your life, um, but do it one step at a time, right? We sometimes try to overwhelm ourselves. We're, you know, we hear a good message at church. We're like, I have to change everything, right? But we don't take the time to plan to do it. Uh, sometimes just sitting down with a pen and paper and writing down some of the changes we want to make in our life and try to, you know, make them check boxes of things we want to see God do and let God do the work inside of you. Um, the next thing is eliminate unhealthy distractions. So what's keeping you from the mission? You know, I talked about earlier how we sometimes make all of this, you know, what, what we think we have to do um, in, in missions or whatever, a bigger thing than it really is. Mark 16, 15 uh, says this. It's just really simplified. Uh, and then he told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. You know, we're supposed to go out, make disciples, and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, right? We're, we're to, it, it's just, it's that simple. It's a matter of going out and telling the good news. If you don't know what the good news is, obviously, it's the message of Jesus Christ coming to this earth and, and living and dying for us, for the sins that we've created in our own lives. Um, the next thing, learn to say no, right? Simply remember that when you say yes to one thing, you're already saying no to something else that might come up. And as long as you're making sure that your mission focus is in the right place, then saying yes is okay, but as long as it's not taking away from the things that God is calling you to do, right? Don't, you know, don't go running off and forget about your family to go do something else. Don't forget about, you know, the people that God has called you to disciple, to mentor. Uh, you know, don't forget about those people just because you want to do something else that you think you need to do. Um, and then the last one, uh, create a not-to-do list. I heard this, this this past week or week before, um, and it intrigued me, create a not-to-do list. So are there things in your life that you're doing that you're only doing because you feel that there's nobody else that could possibly do it, right? And you know it's not really in your wheelhouse. You know that you really don't have time to do it, but you're doing it because you feel that somebody else couldn't do it or isn't doing it, so you feel like you need to step in and do that. And I think we need to figure out to see if there is somebody else because there might be somebody else that it is in their wheelhouse. They do have the time to do it, right? They have the mission focus of that's where God's calling them. And you find those people and you train them up and you get them into those places that you don't have time for because they're going to do a way better job than you will, right? Because you're going to do it halfway because you're busy. Um, again, don't get me wrong. There's, there's times where there's stuff we have to do. We have to do work. Or, like I said, we have kids, stuff, stuff that God's calling us to do. But take the time to make sure that wherever you're at, um, that you're sharing Christ with somebody. And that kind of brings me to my next point. Um, it's just two simple words. It's be intentional, right? We're to be intentional about what we're doing and where we're at and focusing around us and seeing what's going on. Lucas talked a little bit about this last week. Um, and it's, it's been showing up uh, in my life a lot lately. My wife even has it tattooed on her arm because she's a heathen like that. Um, but I love her anyway. Uh, 
we all have, um, we all have to be intentional about the relationships that we have, right? We have lots of different kinds. We have our, our parents, our grandparents, our aunts, uncles. We have our cousins. We have our spouse. We have boyfriend, girlfriend. Um, we have kids, grandkids, friends, coworkers, uh, social media friends. I use that term loosely. Um, and most importantly, we have our relationship with God that we need to be intentional about. Um, so if you talked... If you talk to your spouse, your significant other, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever, as much as you talk to God, as often as you talk to God, would you still have that relationship? Right? I know if I talk to my wife, sometimes I put off talking to God, I don't think our relationship's going to be that great, right? So we're, you know, we're willing to spend 40 plus hours to, to work for the man, uh, that was my anarchist teenage self there, the man, um, so that we can pay our bills, so that we can live, you know, hopefully a, a relatively comfortable lifestyle, uh, or, you know, again, have that possible retirement at the end of our working years. Um, so why can't we spend a tenth, a fifth, a third, you know, whatever? Why can't we spend that time trying to build the kingdom of God, trying to show somebody the love of Christ? We, te- we tend to tangle up things within our walk and what we're supposed to be doing. Um, the next verse I have, I love, I love 2 Timothy as a whole, um, but I really love this verse. It's 2 Timothy 2.4. And it says, soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of c- civilian life, for then they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. God has called us to a mission. So we're his soldier. We're not going out like slaying people with swords and stuff, but like we have a mission to go out and, and spread the gospel, to spread the good news to people. So we don't need to let the, the, the mundane things of life, and again, I'll probably repeat the word social media a hundred times uh, before this message ends, um, but we tend to drone away time just scrolling in life. Um, now, don't get me wrong, social media can be used for good things. You can do... Um, you know, you can encourage people through social media, but most of the time we're just sitting there aimlessly scrolling. Uh, the next thing we have, we have a mission at home. If if you're a parent, um, and your kids are in school, you know, you get what, about an hour in the morning with them, which really is just, you know, kind of yelling to get out the door, get your breakfast, get your teeth brushed, get dressed. Let's go out the door, get them off to school. You get three to five hours, depending on how late you let them stay up at night. And then you get the weekends, right? And if you have little ones, you know, people will tell you, people that have older kids or are are retired, they'll tell you, oh, this time's going to fly by. And when you're in the midst of having little kids in your house, you're just like, yeah, whatever. But you see that as they get older, it's just like time does just fly by. Uh, And it it just, you don't know where it goes. Um, We have to you know, take the short time that we have with our kids and show them Christ. And sometimes it's hard to do. Sometimes you do have those moments where you're not showing Jesus at all with them um, because you let your, your temper get flared up. We'll talk about that a little bit more later. But like, we have to show them how discipleship works because if we disciple them and then they can go into their friends and talk to them about Jesus and show them Jesus, that builds, you know, we're working for the kingdom of God. Um, you know, and again, obviously this applies not just with your kids, but outside of the house, um, with our relationships with our coworkers, um, and even random people you might meet at the grocery store. We're to show Christ's love no matter where we go. Um, 
which isn't always easy. Sometimes you come up to somebody who's super grumpy, um, but sometimes they're grumpy because they had something bad to happen to them. And so you just show them the love and hopefully it, it helps them in their day. But the best example uh, to show about love, and, and I know most of you have heard this, um, is 1 Corinthians chapter 13. So we're going to read verses 4 through 7. It says, Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. So I'm going to take a minute and just break some of these down. I'm not going to go through every single one. Um, but the first one, love is patient. So the best way to think about that is it's the opposite of being impatient, right? Sometimes we're not patient with people. You know, patient love is always placing someone else's needs before our own, which isn't always fun. It doesn't always feel good to us but it's gonna feel good to them. If you're being patient with somebody, it always makes the situation, whatever it is, go a whole lot smoother. Uh, love is kind. Uh, kindness implies intentionality. So there's some thought behind what you're going to say. Um, so it could be something encouraging, something loving, um, but again, it always requires some forethought. And even on the flip side of that, is that being kind sometimes means those thoughts that come into your head that might be sarcasm or you want to take a jab at somebody. Sometimes it means putting that forethought in and holding that, that from coming out of your mouth, from spewing out of your mouth because you know, somebody could be having a, a bad day and then just your little piece of sarcasm that you try to add in might jab them in the wrong way and send them down to have you know, their entire week be bad because of something that you said. Um, so we have to be, be kind in our words. Love does not envy. So, you know, we truly want the best for people. We want the best for our loved ones. Um, but we, we don't need to do it out of selfishness. Uh, like, so say something good happens to somebody. Like, they get an amazing Christmas bonus, right? And you're like, oh, man, I'm so happy for you. Can I borrow some money? <laughs> you know, it's not about you. Just celebrate with them. You know, it's exciting for them because God blessed them with, with a cool Christmas bonus, right? Just be happy for them. We don't need to be envious of what they have. Um, love is not boastful. So love doesn't seek to like dominate a conversation with self, right? We tend to, um, I know I even do it, is that when you're in the midst of a conversation, you're thinking about the next thing that you want to add into that conversation, but it's pointing back to you. You always got to like, some guys do it where you want to one-up the conversation. Well, I got this scar from doing this stupid thing. Well, check my scar out, you know. But it's not, it's not about that. It's about, you know, letting someone talk, especially like if there's something going on in their life. You need to be patient and let them talk and talk about themselves and keep your mouth shut sometimes. Um, love is not rude. Rudeness is a disregard for others, a lack of respect for others. Love is not selfish. Again, looking out for others' needs before your own. Asking what they like or what they don't like, um, you know, or, or if they're, they're saying that they want to go to a certain restaurant, but, you know, you may not like that restaurant. Say, say your spouse wants to go to Applebee's, and you're like, I'm not in the mood for Applebee's, but I guess I'll suffer and have a steak. No. But, you know, sometimes, you know, the, the spouse might want Chinese food, and you just go with that because that's what they want. Um, or, or your kids. I mean, sometimes, well, if you have multiple kids like I do, sometimes trying to figure out a restaurant is 
a, a task. Um, don't do it on an empty stomach while you're trying to find a restaurant. Uh, love is not irritable. Speaking of, you know, being hangry. Um, this one can be difficult. I know personally speaking, sometimes um, I'll take something that happened at work uh, with, with some client of mine or something that just happened that just annoyed me and I'll be frustrated about it and I'll bring that frustration home. And I take it out on the people that didn't do anything at all. You know, the, the kids will say just one thing and I'll just spout off because I have all of this frustration built up in my head and, and I take it out on somebody that, that doesn't deserve it at all. So we're not supposed to be irritable. Uh, last one is love keeps no record of being wronged. So just think about that one for a second. Keeping no record of being wronged. Now, I'm not saying like if there's been like mental or physical abuse in your life that uh, you don't keep record of that. Like if you forgive them, forgive them, but be aware that you don't need to put yourself back into that situation in that toxic relationship or whatever it might be. But what I'm really getting at is that like we're not supposed to bring stuff up. So say somebody does something to you, you're like, oh, I forgive you. It's okay. And then like six months down the road, they do something else. And you're like, yeah, and you did that six months ago. You know, we're not supposed to do that. We're supposed to like forgive and forget those kind of things. Um, and it's, again, it's not going to be possible to implement everything that I've talked about this morning all at once. Uh, that would be crazy to do. It's kind of like, I think about like some scrawny dude going down and trying to power lift 450 pounds because he wants to be a bodybuilder. You know what I mean? You're not, that's not how it's going to work. You're going to wreck yourself, number one. And number two, uh, you're going to give up because obviously if you're just some scrawny dude going in for the first day on day one and trying to lift 450 pounds, that ain't going to happen. So we need to just do it a little bit at a time and see where God wants to fix us. Ask God to reveal what needs fixed in your life. He'll find those things. He'll point them out. He's good at that. Um, so I'm going to wrap up with just a few quick things. You know, I'll say it again. Um, be intentional with your time and in your relationships. Take the time to pray for your friends and your family. Take the time to pray for your church. Take the time to pray for your pastor because he desperately needs it. Uh, Take the time for um, the ministries that, that go from this church and, and the churches around us, right? Pray for the community and all of those people that we're trying to reach. Larry was talking about that. You know, we're, we're trying to reach our community for Jesus. So who has to do that? It's not Mike. It's not me. It's everybody. It's, it's or not just me. It's not just Mike. I mean, we do part of that too. But, you know, like it's, it's a community, community effort to go out to our larger community to spread the gospel. Um, Colossians 4, 5 through 6 says this. Remind, the, remind yourself of this verse when you're going to speak to anybody in the community. Uh, Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. So there's people in this community, believe it or not, uh, that don't believe the same way that you do. I know it's a shocker, right? Um, but it says that we're still supposed to be gracious with those people. We're supposed to let our conversation be attractive because it's not about you. It's not about me. It's about them learning who Jesus is. Um, so no matter what their beliefs are, no matter what their political stance is, no matter where they stand 
uh, in opposition or standing right next to Jesus. You know, it doesn't matter where they are. We are to all, we're always called to be kind and be gracious and let our conversations be attractive. Um, because everything in turn has to glorify, glorify God and only God, right? Uh, Matthew 6.33 says this. It says, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. He will give you the time, the rest, the love, the patience for the relationships and more in your life. Um, so I want to read one more piece. It's not written by the birds in 1965. It was originally written um, in Ecclesiastes a, a few, few moons ago. It says, for everything there is, a se- there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to harvest, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build up, a time to cry and a time to laugh, a time to grieve and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace and a time to turn away, a time to search and a time to quit searching, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be quiet and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. I'm going to go ahead and call the worship team up. Um, so we're going to wrap this up and, and put a nice Christmas bow on this. Um, so where are you in regards to your time? Are you wasting your time? Is it wasting away, droning on your phones, you know, doing things that aren't uh, having, aren't Christ-focused, aren't eternally focused, things that are just focusing on you know, are we focusing on the temporary stuff that we have on this earth? More importantly than that, um, you know, I've talked about this Jesus guy. If you're here and you have no clue who he is, um, or if maybe you, you know who he is and, and you've dwindled your time away and walked away from him for a bit, um, this is the time that you can come back. If you, if you don't know who Jesus is, come find me after I get off here and, and I'll, I'll uh, give you the handshake with our, our Savior and introduce you to who he is. Um, so I'm going to pray. So take this time to, you know, if you got something on your heart that you need to give to God, just, just do it. All right. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for uh, this morning. Thank you for uh, this time. We thank you for your word um, and what it, what it can mean to us in our lives, Lord, if we take the time to do it. We thank you for the relationships that you've put into our lives um, that uh, you give us the opportunities to share your love and to share um, about the things that you've done for us and how you've um, shown love to us. And I pray, Lord, as we leave here this morning that uh, you would just be with us as we go to work, as we uh, go to school or whatever it might be, that you would um, just remind us to, to take our cross with us and to um, share the good news about what you've done. We just love you and we thank you in Christ's name. Amen.